This is episode 373 of the AWS podcast, released on June 7, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lisha here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. Hi, so glad to be back. Sorry, I was out last week. Stuff happens, but you're here now and we have lots and lots and lots of cool things to talk about. So maybe let's start with the topic of analytics and AWS announces Amazon Elasticsearch service ultra warm general availability. So this is a performance optimized warm storage tier that lets you store and interactively analyze your data using Elasticsearch and Kibana while reducing your cost per gig by up to 90% which is a good percentage, over hot storage options. So what this means is that you can now have hot warm domain configurations. Hot storage is used for indexing and providing the fastest access to data and ultra warm complements hot storage with less expensive, more durable storage for older data that you access less frequently, all while maintaining the same interactive analysis experience. Now this uses a combination of Amazon S3 and optimized compute nodes powered by the AWS Nitro system to provide a hot-like experience for aggregations and visualizations. So it really helps you get better performance. And uh, the other things that are happening as well, so this is all in preview now, it's general availability. It's available in all regions Amazon Elasticsearch service supports. We've also added support for ultra warm on Elasticsearch versions 7.1 and 7.4. And the limits are now increased to support up to 150 ultra warm nodes per domain. So that means you can store three petabytes of primary warm data. Yes, I said petabytes. Um, and it is also <laughs> it is also integrated with the index state management feature. So you can automate rotating data from hot to warm as it ages. Index state management is now also available on Elasticsearch version 6.8 and above, which is very exciting. Speaking of performance, Amazon Redshift now leverages Bloom filters to improve data lake query performance by up to 2x. Uh, This is really relevant to external tables in Amazon S3. So a Bloom filter is a probabilistic memory efficient data structure that accelerates joined queries at scale by filtering rows that do not match the joined relation, significantly reducing the amount of data transferred over the network. Now, these are enabled by default with the release 1.0.15503 or later in the AWS regions where Amazon Redshift Spectrum is available. There's also now uh, a new experience when it comes to query monitoring in the Amazon Redshift console. So it makes it easy for you to isolate and fix those expensive queries. The redesigned query monitoring page uh, allows you to navigate to cluster details for a cluster and then selecting the query monitoring tab. And now you can filter the top 100 queries by query runtime or duration for a selected time period. It shows you uh, the, the data visually on a Gantt chart, lets you isolate slow or low running queries. You can sort it by any fields in the query list, so things like duration, start time, username, and you can then drill down and visualize the query plans and execution statistics as well. So you can get lots and lots of cool information from that. And last update in analytics is Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics now provides enhanced monitoring for Apache Flink applications. So now what you can do is you can uh, gather 19 application metrics by default. So things like uh, CPU, memory utilization, et cetera. You can also create custom metrics in your application code using Apache Flink's built-in metrics system. 
Moving on to the topic of application integration. This one's a really cool one. AWS Step Functions now supports AWS Code Build service integration. So yeah, that's right. Step Functions is now integrated with Code Build, making it faster and easier to build continuous integration workflows for your applications. Using the integration, you can easily create workflows with primitives such as branching, parallel execution, and timeouts to handle software changes from different repo branches. Step Functions also supports built-in error handling, parameter passing, recommended security settings, and state management, reducing the amount of code you have to write and maintain. I really love step functions, and this integration is super cool. Yeah, super powerful. Um, moving on. Yeah, super useful. Moving on to the topic of business applications, Amazon Chime Voice Connector now supports real-time audio streaming for Cisco Unified Border Element Network-Based Recording, i.e. Cube. So Voice Connector now supports this real-time streaming, which is forked from Cube, Cisco Unified Border Element, using this network-based recording, which makes it easy for you to build machine learning analytics and processing applications using real-time call audio from your on-prem Cisco phone systems. Previously, you had to integrate and deploy expensive on-prem hardware and software or make disruptive changes to your enterprise voice network. But now with this feature, you can easily ingest audio from phone calls through on-prem Cube and send it to Amazon Kinesis video streams. It also will publish call events with metadata to Amazon EventBridge for easier correlation of audio streams with call participants across systems. And you can use the feature with Amazon Machine Learning Services to build apps that assist with compliance and quality assurance. Amazon Chime SDK for JavaScript is now supported on Ubuntu. Uh, so Chime clearly wasn't done, and they've now added support for JavaScript on Ubuntu. So Users of the Chime SDK can run their web applications in Google Chrome browsers running Ubuntu LTS version 16.04 and newer. With support across the most common web browsers and operating systems, the Chime SDK has uh, added this amazing support. Chime wasn't done. Amazon Chime has added new policies to govern meeting access. This one is particularly interesting. Uh, so these new access policy options give organizers the flexibility to balance confidentiality and security while continuing to offer easy join-in options for experienced and first-time Chime users. The new options allow the organizer to restrict or allow user access based on the attendee's Chime registration status, including verified email address and company affiliation. Organizers can also restrict attendees from joining the meeting using in-room video systems or dialing in. They can also actually use meeting controls such as event mode, meeting lock, and remove attendee, which allows them to manage a broad range of meeting scenarios while offering IT teams the management and cost efficiencies of deploying a single solution for internal and external collaboration. And lastly, you can control your email flows in Amazon Workmail using AWS Lambda. Uh, so you can now control email flow of your organization using Lambda functions when using email flow rules. So you can build powerful email flow control system with completely customizable conditions. For example, you can easily create Lambda to block any specific type of inbound or outbound email. You can add or remove recipients to all or some inbound or outbound email. Moving on to the topic of compute and Amazon EC2 now supports aliases for Amazon machine images or AMIs or armies as you might choose to call them depending on what you're from and you can now use these custom identifiers to reference the AMIs during instance launch. Now these uh, identifiers that you create using AWS Systems Manager Parameter Store 
and then you use them to reference your AMI during instance launch, which means you can reduce the likelihood of misconfigurations and make it easy to maintain. Code that references these parameters no longer needs to be modified every time a new version of an AMI is created. And the latest versions of commonly used AMIs like Amazon Linux 2 and Windows are available for reference using Systems Manager public parameters. So this is kind of a big deal for automation if you need to access your instance or your AMI name. Now, Amazon EC2 M6G instances powered by the Adibus Graviton 2 processors are now generally available. Now, these, uh, you may remember, are powered by ARM-based Adibus Graviton 2 processors, and these deliver up to 40% better price performance over the current generation x86-based EC2 M5 instances for a broad set of general-purpose workloads, things like application servers, microservices, gaming servers, mid and small size databases, and caching fleets. Now, these are a custom-built set of processors built using the 64-bit ARM Neoverse cores to enable the best price performance for cloud workloads running in Amazon EC2. They deliver a major leap in performance and capabilities over the first-generation processors. They have seven times the performance, four times the number of compute cores, two times larger caches, and five times faster memory. They feature always-on 256-bit DRAM encryption and 50% faster per-core encryption performance compared to the first generation of the AWS Graviton processors. I could geek out on this for a long, long, long time, but I won't. <laughs> but be aware that they're available and we should probably do a deep dive on this because uh, it's pretty cool. EC2 Image Builder now includes support for AWS CloudFormation. So if you want to automate your image building, you can do that using our old friend CloudFormation, making it nice and easy. If you're looking at deploying AWS Outposts, there's a new digital course available called Planning an AWS Outposts Implementation. And this teaches you how you can extend your AWS infrastructure services and APIs from the AWS cloud into your data center co-location space or on-premises facility. It's an 80-minute course and it's available free and on demand. And this is the first of this particular topic that we've released some training on. So it's a very important one to do if you're thinking about uh, deploying this type of uh, solution. And it was built for IT administrators, DevOps engineers, network engineers, solution architects, or security engineers who may not be familiar with AWS Outposts. So it really can help cross-functional teams work together to securely activate an AWS Outpost managed service. So this is a useful piece of training if you're working in your team with others to get this up and running. They may want to do this training too. I'm not interested in deploying one, but I'm definitely curious about space. <laughs> Well, you can do you can do the training and then you understand more. Definitely. Amazon Lightsail Firewall now supports source IP-based rules and ping. So now you can uh, allow or restrict the network traffic to your instances based on the source IP, port, and protocol of the traffic flowing in. Uh, it already supported port and protocol. Now the source IP condition gives you even more capability as well. Uh, also, this firewall now supports ICMP protocol in addition to the already available TCP and UDP as well. We're also happy to announce higher EBS and networking performance and one-year reservation purchase option for Amazon EC2 high memory instances. So this gives you more flexibility and more performance for your applications. Now, just as a reminder, the high memory instances offer 6, 9, 12, 18 and 24 terabytes of memory and they will have higher availability of bandwidth as well so that you can drive 38 gigabits per second of dedicated storage bandwidth and additional 100 gigabits per second of network bandwidth, which equates to a performance boost of up to 2x for storage bandwidth for all sizes and up to 4x for the 6, 9, and 12 terabyte instances. So a big performance boost available to you there. 
Moving on to the topic of cost management, one quick announcement, AWS Trusted Advisor has added five cost optimization checks. Uh, so the Trusted Advisor is an application, just to remind you, that draws upon best practices learned from AWS, learned from our aggregated operational history of serving millions of customers, and inspects your environment and makes recommendations for saving money, improving system performance, and closing those security gaps. Those five new cost optimization checks include a savings plan to check your usage of EC2, Fargate, and Lambda an Amazon Elasticash reserved node optimization to check your usage of Elasticash and provide recommendations on purchase reserved nodes to help reduce costs incurred from using Elasticash on demand. Third, Amazon Redshift reserved node optimization to check your usage of Redshift and provide recommendations on the purchase of reserved nodes to again, reduce costs from those on-demand nodes. Amazon Elasticsearch reserved instance optimization to check your usage of Elasticsearch and provide recommendations on the purchase of reserved instances to help reduce cost. And lastly, Amazon Relational Database Service reserved instance optimization to check your usage of RDS and provide recommendations on the purchase of reserved instances to reduce costs incurred from using RDS on demand. Uh, so all five of those are now available. They sound amazing. Uh, moving on to the next topic of customer engagement. One more quick announcement here. Amazon Connect now automatically changes agent status to offline on logout. Uh, so Amazon Connect contact center agents that have completed a call or chat can uh, log out of the latest version and it will now set their status to offline. When your agents log in to the contact control panel, they can set the agent status to available to immediately start answering calls or chats. Previously, they had to actually change their status to offline before logging out to not receive contacts. So that's a nice update for them. Indeed. Moving on to the topic of database, Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports SQL Server Reporting Services or SSRS. And you can now install this on the same RDS DB instance as your SQL Server database. And there's no additional cost to do it. Now this is important because if you're currently running SSRS on Amazon EC2, you can now save costs by running it on the same server as the database is running on and turn off the EC2 instance. Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports bulk insert on highly available DB instances using the Amazon S3 integration. So now this will work with both the multi-AZ and single-AZ configurations. So you can transfer files between your DB instance and S3 using features like bulk insert so you can get stuff done quicker. And another update for RDS for SQL Server, it now supports distributed transactions using the Microsoft Distributed Transactions Coordinator or MSDTC. You can execute distributed transactions on database instances that are domain joined using the AWS Directory service for Microsoft Active Directory. Some updates in terms of CloudWatch application insights for .NET and SQL Server, it now supports AWS X-Ray and custom application tiers as well. So you can get further visibility into the issues that may be impacting the health of your application. So you can view things like trace level metrics, including number of requests, faults, errors, throttles, average latency for the impacted resources on CloudWatch application insights. And the automated dashboards created for problems detected additionally provide customers with visibility into the related alarms, log errors and events. So it means you can troubleshoot ongoing problems and reduce your mean time to resolution, which is the number you're interested in, fixing stuff. Uh, you can also drill down even more uh, into more detail into the service map for this application using CloudWatch Service Lens to investigate further. Quick update for Amazon RDS for Oracle. It now supports the April 2020 Oracle patch set updates and release updates. 
And Amazon Aurora with PostgreSQL compatibility now supports user authentication with external Microsoft Active Directory. So this uh, support for Kerberos and Microsoft Active Directory gives you the benefits of a single sign-in and centralized authentication of Aurora Postgres database users. So keeping all of your user credentials in the same Active Directory will save you time and effort because you now have a centralized place for storing and managing them across multiple database instances. And speaking of database instances of the multiple kind, I think, Nikki, there's a, a big update on that front. Yeah. Amazon Aurora Multimaster has expanded their availability to eight AWS regions. So Amazon Aurora Multimaster is a single database that allows you to create multiple read-write instances of your Aurora database across multiple availability zones, which enables uptime-sensitive applications to achieve continuous write availability through instance failure. With today's launch, that feature is now available in eight AWS regions. That's U.S. East, North Virginia, U.S. East Ohio, U.S. West Oregon, Asia Pacific Mumbai, Seoul, Tokyo, Frankfurt, and Ireland. Uh, so that's that's pretty awesome. Huge update now available in all those regions. Moving on, uh, Neptune Streams feature is now available outside of lab mode. Uh, so Neptune has introduced support for streams, which is an easy way to capture changes in your graph in lab mode. Streams can log changes to your graph as they happen for notifying processes or creating a new copy of the graph in a different region or service, such as the Elasticatch service uh, or S3. And it is now available in production from engine release 1.0.2.2.R2. It can easily be enabled or disabled using the cluster parameter name Neptune Streams. And once it enabled, you can access it using the GET request to the REST APIs, Sparkle Streams, or Gremlin Streams. The lab mode setting streams in the database cluster parameter will be removed after the current release. Amazon RDS Performance Insights supports SQL-level metrics on Amazon Aurora with MySQL compatibility. RDS Performance Insights has added these SQL-level metrics to Amazon Aurora, which uh, previously gathering performance data on this database required configuration and maintenance of monitoring applications and related resources. Correlating performance data took hours without specialized expertise. And to find a query of interest, such as a stuck or long running SQL query, you needed to investigate each query one at a time. Now with RDS performance insights, non-experts and experts alike can identify top SQL loads and where they originated from on a visual dashboard in just seconds. Uh, so it also collects SQL level metrics such as average latency, calls per second, and rows returned per call. That's an awesome inclusion. And lastly, introducing Amazon RDS Ready Partners. So customers that want a highly scalable, durable, fast, and cost-efficient relational database can take advantage of RDS, as we know, which also includes Amazon Aurora. And customers can now find tools and applications in database monitoring, security, and SQL performance tuning from the APN technology partners through the Amazon RDS Ready program. All the products listed have been reviewed by AWS to follow best practices for integrating with one or more RDS engines, including Aurora, PostgreSQL, MySQL, MariaDB, Oracle, and SQL Server. Moving on to the topic of developer tools, I get to do it this week because Nikki always does it because, you know, she's a developer, but it's my turn now, finally. Um, AWS Cloud... <laughs> We've got to swap sometimes. AWS Cloud 9 is available in five more regions, so you can now use it in the Middle East Bahrain region, the Asia-Pacific Hong Kong, 
US West, North California, in the Paris region, Sao Paulo regions as well. And it is now available with a new default theme, which is based on the previously experimental Jet Dark theme. Uh, if you like dark stuff, which I run my entire environment in dark mode, um, that might be really useful to you. Yeah. <laughs> is that what every developer does? Am I out of the loop, Nikki? I'm still on green screen. Majority, majority. <laughs> I'm still on VT100 terminal, so, you know, whatever works. Okay. Amazon Code Guru Reviewer now has support for Bitbucket repository and also some other enhancements as well. So this allows you to connect into your Bitbucket, Atlassian Bitbucket Cloud repositories um, into the reviewing process. So this is really useful to give you one place to plan projects, collaborate on code, test and deploy. Now, Amazon Code Guru is a machine learning service for automated code reviews and application performance recommendations. So it lets you find the most expensive lines of code in terms of application performance, gives you recommendations on how to fix it. So this is a very useful uh, component. The, the benefits of this integration include things like identifying um, bugs that are hard to find, leveraging best practices from AWS and Bitbucket to identify code bugs, identifying resource leaks, sensitive information leaks, and identifying multi-threaded issues that are usually more applicable to things like financial services as well. The Amazon Code Guru uh, team also announces the Java agent switch to start profiler. And what this means is you can start the profiling agent using a command line. And so you don't have to modify your application's code or add any dependencies in order to run the agent, which is nifty. Also, the Amazon Code Guru reviewer has a new pull request dashboard. So this means you can now view the recommendations for all code reviews in one centralized location. So it gives you a lot more information at hand very, very quickly. And there were some new APIs created to support this dashboard feature because we love our APIs. Uh, describe code review, list code reviews, list recommendations, put recommendations feedback, describe recommendations feedback, list recommendation feedback. Basically, you could write your own command line <laughs> to interact with that completely as well. <laughs> and finally, there's a new open source garbage collector latency benchmark that is really interesting. It's called Hypothesis. The name of this one is so I good. know. They would have spent hours thinking of this name. <laughs> I have a hypothesis about my heap. It's a hypothesis. <laughs> so this is built by the Amazon Coretto team. <laughs> and this is an open source benchmark which simulates fundamental application characteristics that affect the Java Virtual Machine garbage collection latency. It creates scenarios with predetermined object allocation rates, heap occupancy and heap sizes, and then reports the resulting JVM pauses. Now, the intent is to help OpenJDK developers invest investigate the capability boundaries of the technologies that they're implementing. It provides reference points for how different collector implementations perform when these basic stress factors are dialed up. Now, we're also working on enhancing hypothesis to better model and predict additional application behaviors. It's available open source under the Apache 2.0 license. So a really good one to dive into. And much like in distributed systems, it's always DNS. I think uh, when it comes to Java, it's always garbage collection. Is that, is that true, Nikki? Am I, am I off base there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think you're pretty on base. <laughs> that was definitely a hot topic. Quick update on the topic of the Internet of Things. Expressive's ESP32W Room 32SE module is now qualified for use with the Adibus IT multi-account registration. So this is really useful to build out large fleets of devices very, very quickly. Now, Adibus IT customers can use these qualified devices with their IT multi-account registration to just get up and running fast. And you can also easily move devices between multiple Adibus accounts in the same region. He may have stolen developer tools from me, but at least I get machine learning. Moving on to the topic <laughs> of machine learning, 
Amazon Kendra is now generally available. So Amazon Kendra provides customers with a highly accurate and easy to use enterprise search service powered by machine learning. Kendra offers a more intuitive way to search using natural language and returns more accurate answers. So your end users can discover information stored within the vast amount of content spread across your organization. Users can ask questions like, how long is maternity leave? And get a specific answer, such as 14 weeks. Or how do I configure my VPN? With Kendra, you can provide pinpoint search accuracy from content within your manuals, research reports, FAQs, HR documentation, customer service guides, and more. So it's available as a console application for setup and administration workflows, as well as APIs for additional flexibility. And it offers built-in connectors for SharePoint online, Amazon S3, and databases. It also will offer connectors for other popular data sources like Salesforce, ServiceNow, and OneDrive with more coming up later this year. You can also use the API to build your own connectors and publish data directly into your Kendra index. This is super cool. I highly suggest you take a look at it if you work for an enterprise. Amazon Forecast now supports new automated data imputation options for the related and target time series data sets. Forecast is applicable to a wide variety of use cases, including product demand forecasting, inventory planning, workforce and resource planning, energy demand forecasting, and cloud infrastructure usage forecasting. And they've now added support for automated filling of missing values in your related time series data set for both the historical and forecast time periods. Related time series includes data such as promotions, prices, or weather that correlates with the target value and can often improve the accuracy of the forecast. Before now, customers were expected to provide related time series data with no missing values, which can be very challenging at times, aka providing price data for products for the entire historical and forecast time periods. So with this new feature, customers can now use several missing value options depending on the specific use case for their related time series data set. AWS Deep Learning Containers for PyTorch 1.5.0. So the deep learning containers are now available today with the latest framework versions of PyTorch 1.5.0 with newly added SageMaker inference. The AWS deep learning containers have also been updated for TensorFlow 1.15.2 with Python 3.7. So this release includes updates to the Amazon SageMaker Experiments package, uh, which is a feature that lets you organize, track, compare, and evaluate machine learning experiments and model versions. The TensorFlow 1.15.2 on Python 3.7 training containers now also include the SageMaker debugger, which allows uh, data scientists to save and inspect the model tensors during training jobs. That's really cool. There was also a related update for AWS Deep Learning Containers with Amazon Elastic Inference as well to support TensorFlow and PyTorch and training and inference for TensorFlow. So all those cool updates also can take advantage of the Elastic Inference as well, which gives you way more performance and the ability to attach performance capability for machine learning to your instance on demand. And what this can do is can uh, dramatically improve the response time, but also reduce the cost by up to 75% as well. So this is very, very useful. Fraud detection using machine learning has also added improved model accuracy and flexibility as well. So this makes it even better because with all these tools, they learn over time. And so they get uh, up and running quickly. Um, this is an AWS solution that automates the detection of potentially fraudulent activity and flags that activity for review. 
It even has a example data set as well, and you can modify the solution, of course, to use your own data set. This particular update, as I mentioned, improves model accuracy and now also includes a model to detect anomalies in unlabeled data as well. And finally, in the topic of machine learning, there is now batch mode processing for ICD-10-CM and RxNorm ontology linking. And whenever I read titles like that, it reminds me of how unintelligent I am. <laughs> I just don't know anything about this stuff because this is, this is all about uh, working with Amazon Comprehend Medical and allows it to extract and uh, understand medical condition and medical entities from medical texts and links them to all the relevant ICD-10, CM and RX norm concepts respectively. So this is all about medical ontologies, as I said, way beyond my uh, area of expertise, but it now works much better than ever before and supports new capabilities. So if you're working in the medical field, this will be something of great interest to you. Moving on to the topic of management and governance, Global Accelerator now supports CloudFormation. So you can now use CloudFormation to easily create and manage accelerators and other global accelerator components uh, with a simple template, which we all know and love CloudFormation. AWS Systems Manager has enhanced support for state manager resources in CloudFormation. You can now use the recently launched state manager features through CloudFormation with, with support for all state manager CLI and SDK operations, such as rate control. State Manager, which is a feature of AWS Systems Manager, is used to define, enforce, and report on desired state configuration compliance for your infrastructure. And you can now use CloudFormation to create any of the state manager features. AWS Systems Manager now supports resource groups as targets for state manager. So you can now select resource groups as targets for desired state configurations in the Systems Manager State Manager, which allows you to define, enforce, and report on different desired states for your resources based on logical groupings, such as applications or environments. With this feature, in addition to being able to enforce your desired state configuration on a set of instances, a tag, or all instances, you can now also specify a resource group as a target. Once you select a target resource group, the specified desired state is automatically enforced on any new Amazon EC2 instance in that group at launch. That's pretty cool. AWS Systems Manager wasn't quite finished. They've also added support for patching Debian and Oracle Linux instances. Patch Manager, which is a capability of Systems Manager, now allows you to deploy patches automatically to instances running Debian 8, Debian 9, and Oracle Linux 7.6, giving you tons of patching options for your mixed Linux environments. Patch Manager can also automatically patch Linux instances running Red Hat, Ubuntu Server, Amazon Linux, Amazon Linux 2, CentOS, and SUSE Linux Enterprise Server. The new AWS Cloud Trail console now simplifies trail creation and management. So there's a new console experience. This is one of the great things about getting feedback from customers. They tell us what they like and what they want improved. So this uh, console experience has been refreshed across all Cloud Trail features. It now includes documentation and pricing links alongside the features so you can easily learn more while staying in the console. You can now create trails with a one-step quick create process or you can use the new trail creation wizard to customize your trail configurations. There is now enhanced Amazon CloudWatch metrics for the AWS Elemental Media Connect console. So again, more information available to you. With this update, you can now easily monitor your live video stream source metrics, including important things like bit rate and received packets directly on the console. So this is good for troubleshooting. 
Next update is a really interesting one, the CDK for Kubernetes, which is a new software development framework and open source project for defining Kubernetes applications using code. So this is an alpha release. Oh, cool. It is, isn't it? Well, do you want to take this one, Nikki? Because uh, I think this is in your wheelhouse more than mine. You're the container guru, not me. I'm all about serverless. I don't want to take this away from you, but I, I'm just listening. It's so cool. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, okay. Um, so CDK 8 or CDK for Kubernetes uh, is an open source software development framework for defining Kubernetes applications using general purpose programming languages. So CDK 8 makes it easy for you to manage Kubernetes using the same tools, techniques and workflows that you write applications with. Uh, it generates pure Kubernetes YAML and you can use it to define applications for any Kubernetes cluster running anywhere. Now, applications running on Kubernetes are composed of dozens of resources which are maintained through carefully maintained YAML files. Don't we love a good YAML file? As applications evolve mm -hmm. and teams grow, these YAML files become harder to manage. Uh, building new applications also means you've got to write boilerplate, copy code, do manual tweaks, etc. And sharing best practices or making any updates involves manual changes or complex migrations. All of this YAML engineering takes time away from actually delivering value to your customers. So this new tool... CDK for Kubernetes makes it easy to define Kubernetes applications using familiar programming languages like Python and TypeScript. And you can use it to interact with any standard or custom Kubernetes object as a strongly typed class. And don't we like a strongly typed class to avoid bugs? Uh, you can also uh, author high-level abstractions using the languages, so IDEs, tools, and techniques that you're familiar with. And you can share them through regular code libraries with your team, company, or the community. Now, this runs locally on your machine or in your CI pipeline, and as I mentioned, generates standard Kubernetes YAML manifests. So you can use it with any Kubernetes cluster running anywhere, on-premises, in the cloud, really doesn't matter. Uh, it's open source. Uh, you can visit cdk8s.io or see it on GitHub. It's a pretty exciting new capability. If you've ever written a cloud formation template for Kubernetes or seen one, you are thanking the Lord that this launched right now. <laughs> <laughs> Parameter support. They are very long. <laughs> they are. Parameter support is now available with service actions in the AWS service catalog. So now you can create those service actions with more than one parameter. So you can have complex operational tasks like creating a backup or filing a ticket based on content that was provided. So this is a very useful automation capability. The EC2 image builder now includes support for cloud formation. So that means you could automate that one. And we're also introducing the AWS Trusted Advisor Explorer. Now, early on, Nikki mentioned some of the cost controls that Trusted Advisor can help you with. Um, this Explorer is an AWS solution that automatically provisions the infrastructure necessary to aggregate cost optimization recommendations and actively track cost optimization health across your organization over time. So it creates a data lake that can be used to create dashboards to visually explore the data. And it enriches the data with resource tags to further enhance the discovery and filtering capabilities. So this really builds upon the solution to give you even more power and customization abilities. Amazon CloudWatch Logs Insights now allows you to save queries. Uh, so CloudWatch has now introduced saved queries, which is a new feature that makes it easier for CloudWatch Logs Insights users to save their queries. They can organize these queries in folders and easily run them again for different purposes by team application or runbook. Oh my God, I love this feature. I'm about to go save all of my queries. <laughs> save them all. I've created. <laughs> I've created so many and I just save them in like a random text file. Anyways, moving on. Add enriched metadata to Amazon VPC flow logs, published to CloudWatch logs and S3. You can now include enriched metadata in your VPC flow logs that are published to CloudWatch logs or S3. 
prior to this launch, custom format VPC flow logs enriched with additional metadata could be published only to S3. But now with this launch, the metadata fields that provide insights about the location of the network interface on which flow logs are being captured have also been added, such as the region, availability zone, local zone, or outpost, where it resides. Oh man, if it resides in space, I wanna know. Enriched metadata fields in VPC flow logs reduce the cost and operational overhead associated with additional computations or lookups required to extract meaningful information from log data in a centralized log processing system. So you can use your flow logs to monitor your VPC traffic, understand network dependencies, troubleshoot network connectivity issues, and identify network threats. CloudWatch now monitors Prometheus metrics, which is now in beta. So you can now monitor Prometheus metrics from EKS and other Kubernetes clusters uh, through CloudWatch available in beta. With this feature, DevOps teams can automatically discover services for containerized workloads, such as AWS App Mesh, Nginx, and Java. They can also expose custom metrics on those services and ingest the Prometheus metrics in CloudWatch. And by curating the collection and aggregation of Prometheus metrics, CloudWatch users can then monitor, troubleshoot, and alarm on application performance, degradation, and failures faster while reducing the number of monitoring tools that they are required to use. And lastly, the AWS console mobile application has added support for new services on Android. So Android users can now use API Gateway, CloudTrail, AWS IAM, Lambda, and SQS on the console mobile app. And in addition, they've also expanded the Amazon CloudWatch capabilities to include logs. So yes, you can view your logs on the go on your Android application. Pretty cool. Moving on to the topic of media services, we're happy to introduce AWS Elemental Media Event Management, MEM. Now, this is a support program designed to improve the operational reliability of your business critical media events. So this applies a structured process that's specifically designed for the unique operational requirements of large-scale video events that use AWS media services or AWS Elemental appliances and software. So things are things like the broadcast of marquee sports or the launch of a new online video service. This allows you to identify and mitigate risks and it documents how you can achieve the resiliency, scalability and performance you need. Now you get direct access to experts so that issues that may arise during implementation, deployment and testing of your video workflow can be addressed quickly to keep the deployment on schedule. It's a really important uh, process. The cost and duration varies depending on the size of your event and the complexity of your workload and typically engagements last between 10 and 18 weeks. AWS Elemental Media Live adds content delivery flexibility with three new capabilities. First, AWS Elemental Media Live has supported Apple-timed ID3 metadata since 2018. Now, as source content becomes more advanced carrying metadata themselves, Media Live now has the ability to pass through these assets. So staying today, Media Live supports ID3 time metadata and Nielsen ID3 pass-through for fragmented MP4 or FMP4, which gives customers with uh, additional flexibility on how client device playback experience is enhanced. There is now also the ability to disable segment conditioning on Microsoft Smooth outputs. And thirdly, it now has the ability to select the audio from a TS input when multiple tracks are present. So for example, the video content could have multiple language tracks or Dolby Stereo and Dolby 5.1 tracks to choose from. 
Video On Demand on AWS now leverages AWS Elemental Media Convert Accelerated Transcoding. So this is a solution that automatically provisions the AWS services necessary to build a scalable distributed video on demand workflow. It now uses the AWS Elemental Media Convert Accelerated Transcoding. Now what this does is increases the processing speed of file-based video encoding jobs by up to 25 times. So this really helps you improve your turnaround time for your videos. Moving on to the topic of migration and transfer, the AWS database migration service now supports expression-based data transformations. So the database migration service now enables you to dynamically transform and manipulate data being replicated to any supported target. You can create SQLite-based expressions as part of your replication task that will add columns to your target tables with transformed data, reducing the need for further downstream processing. So for example, you can now add a target column with data aggregate from two or more source columns or record the before image of an update, delete, and separate columns in the target data store. You can also add details about the commit timestamp or transaction log position of a change record from the source for consolidation purposes. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery, AWS Direct Connect has launched its second location in Bahrain. So it is now live at Bahrain DC 5.2. Manama, Bahrain. And this is the second location for Direct Connect in Bahrain. Pairing the new DC 5.2 location with the existing DC 5.3 location, customers can now establish location redundant connectivity within Bahrain. Further, with global access for Direct Connect, you can reach AWS resources in any region from any of the above locations using global public VIFs and Direct Connect Gateway. When connecting to any region, your data will not hairpin via the home region if it is not in the shortest path to your desired AWS region. And Direct Connect has a second announcement. Customers can now use CloudWatch metrics to monitor and take action on the usage, state, and health of their AWS Direct Connect virtual interfaces. Up until this point, customers only had visibility of the connection state, traffic throughput, and light levels of their Direct Connect dedicated connections. With monitoring for the virtual interfaces, customers can now see CloudWatch metrics for traffic throughput per virtual interface. Direct Connect customers with dedicated or hosted connections can use the enhanced monitoring capabilities to understand VIF level usage. Moving on to the topic of robotics, AWS RoboMaker now supports account level metrics for simulation resources. So this feature helps customers more easily manage their resource limits to ensure their simulation workloads continue to run successfully. Many of these uh, jobs run for long periods of time. So now you can have uh, new metrics things, uh, your new, now your new metrics I should say will cover things like simulation applications, robot applications, active simulation jobs and active simulation job batches. You can now set alarms on your simulation resource limits using Amazon CloudWatch and you'll be notified when your resource usage is about to breach your account limits so you can file a limit increase if you need it. Moving on to the topic of security, there is now a major enhancement to Amazon Macy, an 80% plus price reduction and global regional expansion. So we're very excited to launch the completely redesigned Amazon Macy with a dramatic price reduction that lowers the price by 80% to over 90% with volume discounting tiers. This meaningful price reduction was achieved by a multi-month effort to re-architect Macy's data discovery engine 
deeply integrating with Amazon S3 to make better use of the underlying storage and compute resources and perform even faster and more scalable detections. In addition to the price reduction, new capabilities and enhancements have been added, including updated machine learning models for more accurate identification of personally identifiable information, or PII, support for customer-defined data types for proprietary or unique sensitive data, and native multi-account management through AWS organizations that allows for management of up to 5,000 accounts from a single account. Very easy to get up and running, completely redesigned Macy console, new set of APIs to search and filter buckets of interest. Uh, it's a whole deep dive. It is available in 17 AWS regions globally, and it comes with a 30-day free trial and a perpetual free tier as well. So this really gets you up and running quickly and understanding how this particular service can help your environment. Quick update for AWS Secrets and Manager. It is now FedRAMP compliant. So uh, this is now uh, managed to moderate and high baselines in both commercial and AWS GovCloud US regions. AWS Single Sign-On now supports zero downtime external IDP certificate rotation. And zero downtime is my favorite amount of downtime. So you can now rotate the X509 certificates that you use for external identity providers with zero authentication downtime. Now it's best practice to thwart certificate compromise by periodically rotating certificates and by enforcing short-lived certificate expiration dates as a forcing function to do so. Now when you rotate your certificates, you have to update it on your IDP and on AWS SSO. And this can cause some authentication downtime during that process. To avoid the authentication failures during the rotation, AWS SSO now enables administrators to install a replacement certificate in AWS SSO while the existing certificate remains available for use. So you can now update your IDP to enable the new certificate and remove the old certificate without causing authentication downtime. And it means you can have multiple active certificates to make this graceful rotation happen. It's available at no additional cost and it's in the console. Two quick updates on the topic of storage. Amazon CloudFront has announced its first edge locations in Kolkata and Hamburg. Do I need to go to those places now? I was going to say, these are these, yeah, yeah, Kolkata, <laughs> India, and Hamburg, Germany now add to the Nikki Stone travelogue. Except for the fact that no one's traveling right now. Well, later. <laughs> so viewers served. <laughs> viewers served by these new edge locations can expect to see up to a 20% improvement in latency. Love that. Um, in India, CloudFront has multiple edge locations in Bengaluru, Chennai, Delhi, Hyderabad, and Mumbai. Sorry if I mispronounced any of those. And then similarly, CloudFront has already has edge locations in several cities in Germany, such as Berlin, Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, and Munich. Amazon EBS direct APIs for snapshots are now available in five additional regions that include Osaka, Hong Kong, Bahrain, Beijing region operated by Sinet, and Ninja region operated by NWCD. Moving on to the topic of training and certification, there's a new intensive exam readiness course for architects that is now available. The Exam Readiness Intensive Workshop AWS Certified Solution Architect Associate is a new five-day instructor-led classroom course. It's an intermediate level workshop. It gives you a unique combination of training and exam readiness with additional lessons and quizzes available only in this course. It's designed for solution architects with at least six months to one year of practical experience. It can help you gain confidence and get ready to do the exam. 
Now, during the first three days, you do the uh, content for the architecting on AWS course, as well as new quizzes added to the end of each module. Then the instructors will deliver the content of our half-day course, which is the exam readiness for AWS Certified Solution Architect Associate. And you also get to dive into supplementary material for AWS services like Redshift, Kinesis, Key Management Service, and also have a quiz. And then the five-day course finishes with an instructor guide review of the AWS Certified Solution Architect Associate Practice Exam and an additional quiz as well. So there were a bunch of updates there, Nikki, and, and something I'd like to put a special call out to our listeners who, who listen to us often on 1.5 speed. <laughs> when I meet people individually, they're like, well, you don't speak as fast <laughs> as you do on the podcast. I'm like, well, no, Nikki and I do not sound like chipmunks in real life. Although if we speak really fast, this is going to sound really, really weird if you're listening to 1.5 speed. Or I could speak very slowly and then you have to listen to how I sound. I don't know. What do you think, Nikki? One and a half speed? Is that cool with you? I listen to everything I want on half speed. I watch every video, listen to every podcast. I can't listen any slower. Are I'm you sorry. telling me that you live your life at one and a half speed? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, how do people find you? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, feel free to DM me or give me uh, uh, feedback about the podcast. We love receiving feedback. My username is knee as in your knee and a key 23. So that's K-N-E-E-K-E-Y 23. Uh, feel free to always give us feedback. We have been addressing some of the feedback about my audio. So we appreciate your continued support. And we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.